I do have a word, so let's go. Father, thank you for today. Um, will you prepare our hearts to hear your word? Will you allow us to be wise and receive it and then live it out? May every person under the sound of my voice be different because of these next 25 minutes in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, I have a radio here, and all our departments in our church has, this, has a radio like this. All the major volunteers, all the captains, all the leaders have one like this. This particular one can hear everybody all at the same time. So whatever emergency is going on around here, all somebody has to do is say it and, or secure. Everybody can hear it at the same time if you have a radio like this. Not everybody has one of this. Most people have one that, that's linked and dialed into their area. Now, when I turn it on, seven. Uh, seven tells me it's one of the group, and it reads it on the screen which group it is. Now, if I'm going to hear what the ushers have to say, then I'm going to listen to number seven. I'm not going to listen. Six. To number six, because that's a different group. And if I go to number five, that's a different group. And if I go to number four, that's a different group. And if I go to no, that's a different group. They're all different groups. So if I'm trying to talk to the ushers, which is number seven, and I'm dialed into something else, I'm not going to hear what they got to say. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the problem in the church. God is dialed into number seven, which is the perfect number. And we're trying to listen to him on number two, one, three, four. Five. That's what we're listening to. And we're wondering why we're not hearing God. That's because we're not zoomed into his frequency. There's a problem in our culture because there are a lot of frequencies going across now. And what I'm concerned about is that too many of us are listening to every other frequency except the one dialed into God. Let me show you what I mean because I'm going to do a little bit of sociology and then a little bit of anthropology to get to theology that I want to talk about today. So let's go through this quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a cycle that goes on in generations that's hindering us from hearing God and we don't even know it. This is so important. They're builders. That's the generation that sacrificed a lot. Then they're, they're, after them, they build something so that the next generation can maintain it. And then the next generation after that assumes the wealth that comes from this generation. And they try, to, they, try to, they try to continue it. And then the next generation feels entitled to it. So they know not of the sacrifices of this generation. And so they just think it's theirs. They don't have to do nothing for it. It will just keep showing up. And then their kids are going to come into ruin. And then their kids are going to go into corruption. This has happened generations after generations after generations after generations and it is like we learn nothing from history. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful when you try to prepare and, and protect your kids from everything because what made you great is that you sacrificed a lot to give them what they have. So when you're trying to protect them from poverty, we, I don't want you to sleep on the ground. Guess what your forefathers had to do? And yet still we're trying to, the very thing that will make them great is the thing that we're keeping away from them. So now each of these generations hear God differently. Because this generation had nothing but God to go to. Because they were, they were hurting, they were in major sacrifice. They had to plead to God to help them. By the time you get down to here, they think they, think they made everything and everything just showed up. So I don't need God because everything is at my fingerprint, fingertips. I don't need God. So what we have is a generation 
that believe that they don't need God because they have been, ooh, somebody going to walk out now, because they have, they have everything at their feet. All their needs, all Maslow's needs have been met. I don't need food. I don't need clothing. and have it all. So now I need to come up with stuff. I need to create problems. So now, here we go, here we go. So now, I'm going to start making stuff up that had not been before. Because I don't have nothing to do because I have all the resources at my fingerprint to do whatever I want to do. Number two is a political window that I want you to be aware of and how it's impacting us. There's something called the Overton window, which is used in politics so that a, a, a candidate can, can believe something is unthinkable, but because they get in office, it's become so popular that if they want to win, they have to make the unthinkable policy. Ah, you're not feeling me. You're not feeling me. This happens all the time, and all the internet did was speed it up. So now something can go from unthinkable to policy in two years. Because it's become what the popular country wants. Okay, you're not feeling me, so let me help you out. Uh, 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 30 years ago, you wouldn't be talking about divorce. But today, it's a popular word that everybody wants to live out. I, I, I just can't stand them anymore. I just can't stand them. I can't stand them. I can't stand them. So I'm just going to be out. And if you say you want to stay, people get mad at you for wanting to do what the word says you should do. Okay, you're not feeling me still. Back in the day, 30 years ago, it was you have to dress modestly. Today, Lord have mercy, go through any mall, and you'll be like, is this what we have become? You let, somebody you let somebody come from another country, and they have to close their eyes and walk. Because what was unthinkable is now policy or popular. Overnight it became that way. You're still not feeling me. Let me walk down your aisle a little bit more. Uh, back in the day, success was always about significance, not stuff. But today, you can only define success by, hey, look what I drive. Hey, look what I hang out. Hey, look at my clothes. I only wear this kind of clothes. Hey, look at my purse. Hey. And you're bragging about the stuff you have as if your stuff defines success. I'm just trying to help you to hear how we dilute the voice of God because the popular opinion is not popular when the word of God has to talk about it. It is unthinkable. And before you know it, because of your cell phone, what was unthinkable has now become popular and policy. Ah, let me give you a couple more so you can run out of the building. Here we go. It used to be, it used to be not good for you to live alone, for you to, for you to say we're going to live together. Oh, no, you know that, wrong. You, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. What do you mean you're going to live together? Oh, no, no, no. Are you married? No, but I want to live together. No, I want to try her before I buy her. So I need to make sure all the plumbing is right and everything's working before I go down that path. Uh-huh. I don't see anybody walking yet. Somebody going to walk in a minute. Here we go. Um, and so, and so, and so, without knowing it, now it's popular to live together. So you don't have no more guilt, no more, uh-uh, none of that. I can do what I want, when I want. Who cares about God? Back in the day, if you got pregnant out of marriage, You'd be like, man, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Now, 
Now there's a problem, there's a problem. There is a problem in that. There's a problem that I can pull my shirt back. Unthinkable to call me a pronoun today normal. Oh, you don't like that, do you? I know you wouldn't like that. I know you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. Because it's now popular, because we don't care what God's word say. We only care what the population want to do. And so the reason why churches don't do it is because they're afraid of being canceled and they're afraid that if they talk about stuff that's no normal, then people in the body are not going to give. That's why we don't care whether you give or not because we don't need your giving to survive. No, you don't say that arrogantly, but you just cannot let somebody else demand what you talk about when God says you got to talk about his word, whether the culture likes it or not. Lord, have mercy. Uh-huh. Somebody done got uncomfortable now. Yeah, Lord. Uh, back in the day, the church, you could never talk bad about the church, could you? No, you don't talk bad about God's bride. That's the bride of Christ. You don't talk bad about today. Oh, good God Almighty. Oh, them all, all them people in there are haters. That's all they know to do is be a hater. And watch what's happened to your kids now. Because everybody in school is okay with whatever you want to live and however you want to live for you to talk about what is unthinkable to God, you now get canceled. You're raising your kids. If they live for Jesus, that other people won't like them. That's what you get to be in. And you want to live that way without hearing the voice of God? Are you kidding me? So in light of those two contexts, now we have to talk about John 10 verse 27. Go to verse 26 and verse 27 and let's see what he now has to say. Here's what it says. The text says that Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees that's trying to convince him that he's not God, and he's trying to tell them that he is. So here we go. He says, but you do not believe because you are not. So there are two kinds of sheep then. There are sheep that don't know God, and then there are sheep that know God. Ah. So he says, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. You don't know my voice. Next verse. Then he says, but my sheep hear my voice. Because in the culture of the time when a group of sheep got together in the herd, what happened was when that sheep called, there were multiple, there were multiple herds, but when that shepherd calls, then those sheep respond. So if you don't respond, it's because you're not his sheep. So he says there's some sheep, there's a herd over here, and there's a herd over here. When I speak, my sheep respond. When that sheep, shepherd speak, that sheep respond, but mine don't respond. So let me ask you something. When God speaks, do you respond? Okay, bring, bring my friend out here now. And so here's what he says. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I... So God says, I know you. How? Because I have a relationship with you. Because ever since you were small, I've been nurturing you. 
And so you've been here along the journey with me. And they follow me. What, what y'all making noise for? Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Now, let me help you out. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. When, when this sheep is outside, he gets real nervous. He's expressing it. He gets real nervous. Here's why. Because he's away from the herd. You see, a sheep don't know what it feels like to be away from the herd because he naturally craves to be with other sheep. So when you want to be by yourself, it is abnormal for God's sheep to want to be by themselves. That's why you need the herd around you. My God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the second thought is, you need to know about a sheep. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you for using the bathroom, too. Looks real good right there. Praise the Lord. That looks good enough. You can take him now. You can take him now. You can take him now. There's some things you can't control, ladies and gentlemen. You just can't control it. Lord have mercy. He messing up my whole sermon. Talking about, let me just use my bathroom real quick. And then you have the one and only Pastor Andre. Come on, everybody. Come on. Right, listen, listen, listen. I'll do whatever I can to keep your attention for four minutes. Whatever I can. Here we go. Here's what he says. He says, if you're my sheep, you're going to know my voice. And the only reason you know my voice is because you have a relationship with me. No relationship, no voice. And then he says, and if you know my voice, then you're going to do what I say. So one of the ways you know you're his sheep is because you're doing what he's called you to do. In other words, you're not caving to the popular culture, but you're living out the teachings of the scriptures. The challenge with too many Christians today is that we care so much about the popular culture and fitting in, blending in to somebody else's herd and not to the voice of God. So let's go to your sermon notes now. Let's see if we can take it home. Come on, let's go. So then, in order, to, in, order to, in, in, in order to not live according to the culture, then you have to have different habits that are separated from the culture. You and the culture can't have the same habits because you don't have the same shepherd. So then your habits must be. So spiritual formation or spiritual transformation then comes from habit transformation. If you don't change your habits, then you're not being conformed into the image of Christ. Listen, 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 this is so important. If you don't change your that's why when somebody gets saved, after they come to know Jesus, their habits have to change. If those habits don't change, then they, they say they're saved, but they're not living like they're saved. Because habit formation is spiritual formation. That's why you don't have a chair in your house where you're hanging out with God, then you're saying, God, I am not prioritizing you. So when you have a habit transformation, what happens is now you're not just focused on the result, but you're trying to become who God calls you to be. Let's bring out the concentric circles and let me show you where most people are. Most people care about what you get. You want to get this sensation. You want to get this reward. That's what you care about. And so most people on the first of the year, they care about, I want to lose some weight. I want to, I want, I want, uh, uh, that's what I want to do. But instead of starting here, you should start with who you want to be, your identity. This is who I am. I am a healthy individual. Therefore, I'm going to do what healthy people do. Therefore, I'm going to get what healthy people get. 
You don't start on the outside, you start on the inside. Who are you and whose are you? That's where you start. Okay, you're not feeling me. Um, 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 when it, uh, whenever you go to the mall or whenever you go to the airport, there is this sensation. It's, it feels like the Holy Ghost, but it's not. There's this, sensa- this aroma that shows up from Cinnabon. <clears throat> Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. It comes over you. They're not, they, they don't want to be, they don't want to be in, the, in the food court. That's not where they want to be. They want to be on the, on the, on the, on the thoroughfare. Because they want, as soon as you turn that corner from Macy's, they want you to smell the Holy Ghost. They just want, they just want you to, oh God, something is, ooh, I got quickened by the Spirit. So, and so your kids are going to compel you to go to Cinnabon. Why? 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 Because of what you get. The sugary, cinnamon-like taste that when it hits your, hits your, hits your, hits your taste buds, you go glow. I mean, thank you. Now, once it passes your taste buds, it's finna kill you. But you don't care about it killing you because the sensation you get in your mouth is so good, glory to God, that it is worth dying in 20 years. <laughs> speak, pastor, speak, 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 speak. What, some of you are going to go straight to Cinnabon right now. Straight, right after church, you're going to be like, you know what? I, I just need some right now. The challenge is, if you teach them, I, I want you, you are a healthy human being, then that will determine what you do, which is why you can say no to Cinnabon, because that's not the best thing for you right now. Can I get a witness, somebody? Now, in your relationship with God, it's the same thing. The reason you ought to spend time with him is because you desperately are called to who he is. He says, you are a child of God, therefore you walk in the spirit, therefore you want to fulfill what Christ has called you to do. That's who you are. You are a child, redeemed, blood-bought believer that then will create the habits to get the reward, which is intimacy with God. So to not have intimacy... It's to not want a relationship with God, which is why we say you need your time when you're alone with God in your chair when you're kicking it. Let me explain one more thing. Uh, so there, there, some of you fancy people, you have, a, you have a chair in your house that has a, a massage with it. So you're watching the game and you're being massaged. Glory to God. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to watch the sounds. Anyways, um, and so you, you enjoying it. And every now and again, Jenny will come back and say, hey, hey, honey, do you want, do you want something to eat? Do you want some oxtails? I said, glory to God, yes, please. Break some oxtails. Now, listen, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. But I'm not hungry enough to leave the chair to go get it. I only want it at the convenience of my massage. That's how most Christians are with God's word. God, I'm not desperate for you nor your word yet 
because my life is so comfortable, I ain't leaving to go get nothing from you. I'm going to enjoy the comforts of my experience because my life's pretty good right now. But God, when something falls to the bottom and the bottom drops out, now I will get up and say, oh God, I need you, God. I need you. The reason you're getting up is because you're a convenience Christian that only want God's voice when you desperately need it. You don't want to maintain the relationship, so that's why you're not willing to leave your comfort zone. That's how most of us are. God, you're not that important to me. I only want you when I need you. I don't want to have a consistent relationship with you. That is why here are the three reasons you don't spend time with God. Because the rest of the world don't. Number one, comfort zone. You don't want it. You don't want it badly enough. Therefore, the majority is resistant to change. Therefore, you're going to be resistant to change. Because I love my bed so much, I'm not getting up at 6.30 in the morning. Number two is, it says, I, I, I have learned helplessness. I believe that I can't do it. God, here's what happens, man. When I, when I get up, um, I tell myself I need 30 more minutes, and then that 30 come into an hour and a half. And then I said, well, let me try it at night. So you try it at night, and then you say, God, okay, 1030, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with my chair. And then you start, and then you fall asleep in the chair because you have learned helplessness. I just can't do it. I just, I just can't. I've tried so many times and I can't do it. So you go back to the American way of life, which is I'm just going to talk to God while I run because you're not willing to sacrifice you for God. So God has to be tagged on to your convenience. And then the third one says this. The third one says the path of least resistance, looking for an easy way to get results. That's what the rest of the world does. That's why we can't do it. That's why they put everything on your phone. Because it's easy this way. And what you want is Jesus easy too. No wonder very few of us spend intentional, intimate time with God. Because the rest of the world and the habit formation won't let us break it. But my goal today is not to tell you to break your habit. It is to replace your habit. So here's how you do that. Let's go to the next one. How you do it is, now you have to Set an appointment with God. God, every morning at 6 o'clock, I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend some time. I already have my chair. I already have everything I need to do. I'm just going to spend some time with you. Number two, then, God, is then I'm going to be still and worship you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be still, Psalm 4610, I know that you're God. And then I'm going to create an environment where I get to worship. So I'm going to get my best playlist and I'm going to play to prepare my heart because God responds and speaks in a prepared environment. It's not prepared, he's not speaking. <clears throat> Number, actually, if it's not prepared, he'll speak, but it's usually nothing that you want to hear because it's going to be painful. So when it's not prepared and he has to intercept your business, then he's coming to tell you something that you probably don't want to hear. Next one, number three, it's pray and read. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. And then lastly, it is listen and write. So here's what it looks like. It looks like this. God's saying to you, hey, man, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set up some time where we can hang out. <clears throat> And then I want you to just be still. And I want you to worship. I want you to find your best playlist and I want you to play it just to get your heart ready for what God's about to say. Then I want you to start reading your word. And as you read your word, I want you to start writing what you think I'm saying to you in that word. By the way, there's a little, write this on the side of your notes, there's a little thing I want you to use called space. S-P-A-C-E. S, what are the sins I have committed in this text that I need to confess? It's not in your notes, just write it on the side. The P, what are the promises that I need to claim? 
The A, what are the actions that I need to take? The C, what are the commandments that I need to follow? And the E, what are the examples I need to emulate or the examples I need to embrace as well? So space, let's use that word. And every time you're reading a chapter, a passage of scripture, you need to just say, okay, what's the space here? Where's the space here? And then you just ask God, hey, God, is there any sins in this text that I need to confess? Are there any promises that I need to claim? Are there any actions that I need to take? Are there any commands that I need to follow? And then are, are there any examples I need to emulate? That's all you're trying to do. Now, as you do that, ladies and gentlemen, it's important to remember that um, God wants to give you his desires. But his desires has to replace your desire. That's why he says he will grant you the desires of your heart. But the only reason he's granting those to you is because it's his that you got from him when he filled your heart with it so that you can ask him for it so that he wants to give it to you because it is his refined desires, not yours. That is why a lot of people are asking God to bless their desires, but you didn't get it from God. It's your desires that you want blessed on. That's why you deceive yourself and talking about, yeah, I have peace. I asked him for it and he's blessing me with it, but it had nothing to do with God. It's because you want what you want and he, and because you are getting what you want, you think it's God. So you deceive yourself with your own peace, not the peace of God. No, you're walking around, oh yeah, God told me and he delivered. Oh, he delivered. Oh, he delivered. Like he done blessed you wildly with your own desires. And then you get mad at God when it don't work out the way you thought it would have worked out. That's why when you don't like it anymore, you say, God, I'm getting rid of this. I know you blessed me with it, but I'm getting rid of it because I don't like it anymore. Well, if it was God in the first place, you'd have enjoyed it. And when you don't, you know it's God so you can walk through it. All I'm trying to say, then after that, you have to ask and answer the question. I now need to listen to God. Let me be still. No interruptions and just listen to God. What are you saying to my heart? And that's when you write. That's why you need a journal so you can see God's movement in your life through the years. You don't become a, a mature believer by, by, by falling your way into it. It takes discipline. It takes, it takes you and God hanging out. It takes you knowing his voice. It takes you having an intimate relationship with him. And there are no shortcuts. None. So therefore, I know, well, you know, I, I got a shortcut with food. I don't have to take two hours to cook no more. I can put it in for 12 minutes in the microwave, and I got it. No, that's not how it goes with God. If you're going to walk in the spirit, then he's got to saturate you with his word. And if you're not saturated, no wonder you're still in the cussing ministry and you still want to cuss people out. No wonder somebody cut you off and you want to tell them about their mama and their mama's mama. That is because your instincts have not been saturated with the word of God. No wonder every time you say, yeah, let me just, I, I, I'm finna eat at 11 o'clock at night. You know you shouldn't be eating at 11 o'clock at night, but you'll be like, well, just this last time. That's what you said yesterday. That's what you said the day before. That's what you said the last four years. And you're still doing the same thing. Why? Because you just can't get a hold of it. Anyways, let, let, let me end on this. Let me end on this. Let me end on this. The issue becomes the only person that should have your heart is God. The only person that should activate your heart is God. So when God speaks and God says, hey, thanks for spending time with me, all of a sudden, your heart opens because you can't wait to hear what God has to say. That ain't the problem. The problem is Rilo show up talking about, hey, babe. You be like, oh, raw, baby, baby, baby. 
The problem is your bonus show up, and all of a sudden you're losing your mind, baby, baby, because every, money got your heart. Your, this dude got your heart. This girl got your heart. Career got your Everything else got your heart, but not Jesus. Your heart's supposed to only respond to Jesus. He's the one that unlocks it. We have trained ourselves for too many other things to open our hearts. I'm done. Father, help us, will you? As a body of believers, will you? Help us to train ourselves in godliness. What that means is we have to start with setting an appointment with you. Then we have to simply worship you right in our place of connection with you. Then, God, we have to read the word and ask the space question. And then we have to simply listen. Be still and listen to what you have to say to us. Will you train us? Every person under the sound of my voice, will you train us to do this? So that we can have a relationship that will lead to the voice being clear. So that we can live out the life you want us to live. When your voice is clear, then our walk will be straight. When your, walk, when your voice is not clear, no wonder there's a crooked path that we follow. Help every person under the sun, every last one of us, to create the habit of spending time with you so we can hear the voice, so we can follow your path. Help us not to bind to a culture that wants to make the unthinkable popular, but help us to bind to a God that's left his holy word for us so we can read it and you can give us the customized word that we need. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say, come on, let's give God a round of applause. Come on.